Hey there, welcome to Nearly One Fourth, a podcast dedicated to women that are exploring or are in the field of architecture. On today's episode of Nearly One Fourth, I am welcoming one of my greatest friends of all time, Gabriella Spatz, to the show. Gabby Spatz is a project engineer at Danis and currently works with the marketing and virtual design and construction departments at the main office in Miamisburg. She recently graduated from Bowling Green State University with her Master of Architecture and Master of Business Administration degrees. Her unique education grants her a perspective on the development of construction projects through their entire life cycle. Her passion for advocacy of alternate career paths in the built environment continues to fuel her work and her time on committees outside of her day-to-day responsibility. She is also excited to continue working with nonprofit organizations, primarily through planning and volunteering events for Construction Hope, the Danis Community Outreach Program. When not working, Gabby loves to take and teach dance classes, read fiction novels, travel to new places, do puzzles, and go thrifting. Like I said, Gabby is one of my greatest friends that I met during college, and I'm super excited to share our conversation with you today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nearly One-Fourth. This is Haley, your host, and this week is super special. I am welcoming one of my best friends of all time, Gabby Spatz, to Nearly One-Fourth. Gabby, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Good. We've been together for the last, like, three hours, so (laughs) I already knew how she was doing, but that was for you. (laughs) If you wouldn't mind introducing yourself a little bit so the Nearly One-Fourth community knows who you are. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so like she said, I'm Gabby. We went to college together, undergrad specifically. So I graduated from BGSU Bowling Green, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, I got an undergrad in architecture and then two masters, one in business administration, one in architecture. Now I'm back in the Dayton, Ohio area and working for a construction company called Dana's Building Construction Companies. I'm working with marketing and virtual design and construction and just having a good time sort of foraying into the built environment in a different way. So that's pretty much about me. I also like to dance and read, so I don't know if that's important (laughs) to the audience, but um, I have hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think interests are always important because then people can know more about you and who you are. The first part, we're going to talk about our friendship and our experiences together. And then Gabby took a career turn during her architecture education and is no longer in architecture. So we're going to talk about that a little bit because it's a really common feeling to be so far into your education and no longer want to do it. So kudos to her for making that leap of faith because that's hard to do. And then lastly, there's no one better on this earth to come on the show and help me introduce nearly one fourth to you guys a little bit better. I really want to explain it to you and the motivations behind it. I'm just I'm not really good about talking about myself (laughs) and what I'm doing. So that's why she's here. As she mentioned, we met each other in undergrad six years ago now. Yes, a long time ago. (laughs) And we were the best of studio friends our freshman year. We were the friends that stayed up all night together in studio and lived really unhealthy common architecture (laughs) lifestyles and then I think one of the unique things about our relationship that we recognized probably like our sophomore year yeah starting sophomore year our sophomore year of college is we were kind of toxic (laughs) (laughs) just a little bit (laughs) toxic for one another toxically competitive towards one another with like no malintent towards each other it just was the environment 
that we were in. Mm -hmm. And so we took a friendship break. (laughs) Just a little bit of friendship break. For a while. (laughs) And then had a really big heart to heart. But I think it's really common to have friends in architecture school like that. definitely. Yeah. I feel like you're one of the ones that I've come back (laughs) together with. And that's a very positive experience. (laughs) Very, very interesting, our Mm -hmm. friendship journey and how we've grown as people throughout Mm -hmm. it and how we've helped each other grow Mm -hmm. as people. So I'm very grateful for you in that regard. So one thing I wanted to ask you, I mean, it was you and I specifically that had that problem, but it was a common feeling in culture at our school to be competitive towards one another. Why, Why do you think that was? Yeah, I mean, I feel like architecture in general is a competitive field. I mean, mm-hmm. you're competing to get projects, you're mm-hmm. competing to be the best, to mm-hmm. win the projects, to win the most money, mm-hmm. to win the awards. So I think that trickles down into the academic side of things. The professors are used to that environment, mm-hmm. so they bring it into the schools. And for us specifically, I feel like we were pitted against each other a lot mm-hmm. in school, especially in undergrad. Um some of the professors would, you know, talk about other students to other people. Um, you know, it wasn't really private um, what your grade was at the time mm-hmm. or how you were doing or how the professors thought you were mm-hmm. doing. So I feel like that contributed a lot was just like everyone was talking about everyone and everyone yeah. knew everyone's business. Yeah. And so it contributed to this kind of toxic, unhealthy mm-hmm. competitiveness that mm-hmm. could really drive a wedge between people. And I mm-hmm. think that that you know, when that's when toxicness and grades <laughs> and academia are combined, you don't really get a good crossover mm-hmm. um, for friendships and for, you know, just living life mm-hmm. healthily. So yeah, I think um, for perspective, the school we went to was small. It was small. It yes. was a smaller architecture school. There was the time that we were there. It's a little bit larger now. But when mm-hmm. we were there, there was probably like 160 people first year through master's, yes, second year students. So yep. pretty small school, like eight or nine faculty members. So you recycle professors a lot. So some of this may not relate to your guys' academic environment. That's true. Yes. Very different. But um, I do think the like culture of pitting students against each other was common, but mm-hmm. also unintentional. Oh yeah. Um, completely not intended by the professors. <laughs> I don't want to put that no, on no, no, them, yeah. but... <laughs> the boundaries of the architecture academic environment is so different than other academic environments. Probably most of my peers had their professor's phone numbers on their phone and we're talking to them at midnight about projects. And yes, definitely. um, And that is common with all schools. I went to a different graduate school and I have all of their phone numbers and we talk, but that doesn't translate to all academic settings. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's the weird boundary of like, (laughs) when their faculty, but also your friend makes it hard. Cause then yes. it's not, I, I mean, I guess it was gossiping. Essentially our professors were gossiping with us, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. In a way. Um, but I don't think that was the intention. No, I think they just were more because it was a small school environment. They really wanted to be close with us and they mm-hmm. wanted to see us mm-hmm. succeed and they wanted to help us get there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that just crossed over into them mm-hmm. caring about our personal lives and making comments about other people's personal lives to try and help us out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that turned into gossiping. Sometimes it turned into really great networking connections. Um, You know, it didn't, it wasn't always negative and it wasn't Mm -hmm. always positive. It was just Mm -hmm. small school turned in sort of a small Mm -hmm. academic environment. And Mm -hmm. you were just texting and calling your (laughs) professors for, for academic help and for career help. And that's just kind of how it went. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think um, in the episode, 
either one or two episodes before this with Giselle because it was a two-parter. I had highlighted our friendship ever so briefly and our like weird <laughs> twists and turns of being friends and not friends and like part of that being immaturity probably part of it being the environment that we were in mm-hmm. but I think one of the best things for both of us was coming back to one another yes definitely. and sitting down at like 21 years old and being like I really like being friends with you I don't know why it's hard to be friends sometimes and like through that we learned a lot about ourselves mm-hmm. and like we didn't get to a place where like we're step stepping around like or like stepping on eggshells to be friends with one another no. like it was kind of an understanding of like we were coming from the same place. Yes. <laughs> we're it was kind of like, hey, why did we stop talking? Um, oh wait, we stopped talking because it was toxic and competitive. Yeah. How can we get past that? How can we mm-hmm. be friends again? And now, you know, coming back to a similar area. Yeah. How can we now hang out all yeah. the time or something? Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, and now we talk. Um, we both just finished our masters, so the yes. last few years we were apart. Um, which maybe was helpful or not helpful too. Because we also should probably mention that we did live together for a little bit we of did. that time. So that does change things. If you, everyone's going to have their own opinion about it. If you are an architecture student, I would not live with other architecture no. students. Because you never see anybody else. Yeah. And, and that was lived, part of what happened. <laughs> we lived with, um, it was us two and then four other girls. Mm. And four out of six of us were, were architecture, architecture students. students. And we were the same grade and our class was like 45 people and we all sat next to each other and like shared desk decorations and, and hung out together and we're at studio together and lived together. And-, and there was quite literally no separation. And then we lived together again. The following year. <laughs> yes. Not with as many architecture yeah. students though. That was a little bit with better. With just us two. And I think for us, it was like on the edge of better, but like still too much time. Well, and then the pandemic hit. And that probably yeah. changed, that also changed our friendship yeah, too. I so we, we lived together when COVID started. Yes. And I forgot because I moved back you home. You moved back home and I was still in was BG. Dumb. I paid for rent and moved away. <laughs> yeah. So you, so we didn't, so we lived together and then the pandemic hit and it just, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But it's a, it's a really common thing, especially in an environment like ours and yes. probably in other academic environments where like your major and profession reigns all. I think there's. Um, and then another thing about both of our personalities is we were like a thousand percent into everything. So yes. we were a thousand percent the late night studio kids because we thought that that was the expectation of what you're supposed to be doing. And we like believed that to our core. And we also probably believed like if you weren't doing that, like what were you even doing with your life? Yes. And obviously we've both changed our positions yeah. on that quite oh, a bit. Absolutely. Um, and then we were both um, extreme AIS nerds and I am proud of that fact I mean that's not a negative thing um so we served in AIS positions together and competed against each other for (laughs) races and I tried to avoid that though by running for treasurer (laughs) because she never wanted to be treasurer but I um understand that money is important my brain doesn't work that way that's okay I love being treasurer I moved in with my fiance recently and I've learned that I don't like the money side well. And I'm like, just tell me where I need to put money. <laughs> just tell me and what I'll I need to it. save, what I, where I need to put it. Which is so bad. I know it's such an important life skill. And I took a finance class in high school. Yeah. And I took econ in college, which was like my worst grade of all of them. <laughs> it was not your worst grade. It was either that or structures. We took to econ together. I don't we? think we did. No, we didn't. I took it with other people. Yes, you did. Just kidding. We can cut this out. <laughs> this is not No, productive. it's fine. No, it's fine. We can leave it. So yeah, I think the academic environment of architecture, I think the professors put so much, at least our professors at the institution we were at, 
put so much pressure on like architecture is everything. Yes. Um, some of them didn't even appreciate AIS either. It was like even yeah. that was foraying too much outside of architecture. Yeah. They didn't appreciate it, but then at the same time, like would make comments to me, and I love this these people. So it's not <laughs> like I love all of my faculty. I still communicate with them, but um, it was like I think AIS is a waste of time, and students and you shouldn't have a job if you have a job, you need to quit it. And for anyone that doesn't know, Bowling Green is not a school where most students come from a lot of money mm-hmm. and a lot of students and all majors there had to work and go to school. And yes. for some schools that is understandable and for other places that's not relatable at all. Um, so the expectation was architecture was everything. AIS takes too much time. Don't have a job. Be in studio. Don't sleep. <laughs> if you eat, okay. But really, should you be spending time eating or should you be spending time drawing or modeling or something? Um, but then the same person that would say all those things would be like, it's kind of weird that like the AIS kids are the kids that are doing so well. <laughs> and I'm like, they'd be surprised. <laughs> it's almost like being well-rounded in leadership and other activities. <laughs> and like exploring other avenues <laughs> for hobbies is helping us to be more creative. And it's like the reason we go to like a liberal arts institution. That's crazy. I know. It was so weird, but. I think it's just such a common issue and I'm glad that we're here now. And yes. if you're in that boat now, you'll get out of it. Just have a conversation. <laughs> if you're not in that boat or if you are in that boat and you don't realize you're in that boat. Hopefully um, this helps. Am I not? <laughs> Everyone's different. That's where we're at now. And um, now I'm just going to talk about Gabby for a while. <laughs> How exciting. So Gabby actually was someone I was intimidated by a little bit my freshman year because I went into architecture school not knowing I wanted to do architecture. Um, I wanted to do engineering because my dad's an engineer and there was just something missing for me and I felt that architecture filled the spot that I was missing so Mm -hmm. I decided to do it. Um, Gabby was one of those people coming into school and then there was a few others that was like oh I built like Legos as a kid and like skyscrapers with my parents and like just knew forever this is what I wanted to do and um I always felt like sometimes like out of place because that wasn't me and like there's so many architecture people that are like oh this is what I wanted to do my whole life and now I love it I'm glad this is what I wanted to do but now things have changed and I am still in architecture and you pursued your master's still but you yes. are not working in architecture so where <laughs> where was the shift yes so I think the shift was in my junior year so around the same time that you and I were having maybe our biggest <laughs> it was my fault our biggest <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe around the same time we were having our biggest friendship break mm-hmm. but no I just started uh, realizing that like the architecture studio was kind of one of the last places I wanted to be <laughs> at that time, which feels really um, bad to say now because mm-hmm. I know that looking back, like there were still so many good memories associated mm-hmm. with it and still mm-hmm. so many good people. And I still love the projects that I got mm-hmm. to do. Um, but I started working a lot more at home. Mm-hmm. I started, started sort of isolating myself a little bit just because I wasn't necessarily in love with the way architecture was in academia. Like yeah. I found myself getting more excited about the logical side, like about how things were built, about the project management of it all, and less about these crazy out-of-the-box shapes and ideas that were getting turned into buildings that we were supposed to 
justify and make make sense essentially um so I sort of went through a little bit of a an existential crisis I guess you could call it of oh my gosh I said at age five I wanted to be an architect Mm -hmm. and I did an internship in high school that I wanted to be an architect luckily with a a woman a female Mm -hmm. architect that was really exciting and so Mm -hmm. I didn't quite know where I was going with that. And the other portion of that is that I was treasurer for AIS and I found out that I really loved money and I really loved <laughs> managing money and like doing the, the back end of that mm-hmm. um, and planning, you know, planning mm-hmm. conferences and managing the event planning and stuff like that. So I sort of went through a crisis of, do I continue with architecture? Do I still love it? There were still, of course, aspects that I loved. I still Mm -hmm. loved AIS. I still liked the process of designing and researching. Mm -hmm. I really loved the researching part. Um, And so I decided after the pandemic hit that I was originally going to go out into the career and I was Mm going to go either work for an architecture firm or not work for an architecture firm and just sort of take a break and Mm -hmm. figure out what I was going to do. Um, Then I got a good opportunity to be able to do two master's programs at the same time. And I really was interested, like I said, in the treasury and the Mm -hmm. business side of things. I had worked in marketing for Mm -hmm. several companies. So I was thinking, oh, maybe if I do the Master of Mm -hmm. Architecture, because I might want to go back Mm -hmm. into it someday, and I do the Master of Business at the same time, Mm -hmm. like it'll be enough difference Mm -hmm. that I'll be excited about it. It'll reinvigorate my, you know, passions for architecture and I'll move forward and, you know, want to end up in architecture. Mm -hmm. Well, then during that... (laughs) I sort of got involved with some committees and things, um, one of them being the Professional Development Advisory Group for AIS, and we developed sort of an alternative career paths mm-hmm. database. So I started reaching out to all these people who had started out in mm-hmm. architecture or in architecture degrees and ended up not in architecture. And so through that, I ended up meeting so many different mm-hmm. people who had a similar experience to me. They decided at one point that architecture wasn't necessarily what they were passionate about. And so I felt more validated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, okay, so maybe this is normal. Maybe I'm not like out of the box. Maybe I'm not crazy. (laughs) Um, And maybe I could go into something else. Mm -hmm. And so moving forward from that was really exciting because then I went into my master of architecture with completely different mindset Mm -hmm. of like just trying to get as much as I could Mm -hmm. out of both masters and not necessarily forcing myself to Mm -hmm. look for jobs in architecture Mm -hmm. So now I'm working in construction, which obviously is still in the built environment. I'm using the marketing things that I learned in business. I'm using the project management skills I learned from Master of Architecture Mm -hmm. program. I'm working with virtual design and construction. So we're laser scanning Mm -hmm. things that, you know, get poured like Mm -hmm. concrete slabs and things like that. So I'm still using everything, Mm -hmm. but I'm not on the design side. And so it's it's so much more what I wanted to do. I just didn't mm-hmm. know that I wanted mm-hmm. to do it because it wasn't necessarily acceptable at that time yeah. to want <laughs> to do something else with your architecture <laughs> degree. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you had pushback from peers, faculty? Yes. So I definitely had um, some peers, some faculty who were like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, some were saying that it was diverting my priorities, that my priorities weren't straight, <laughs> that I needed to check my priorities was one of the phrases I heard a lot. Because it wasn't architecture. Because it wasn't architecture. <laughs> um, I was also working throughout this whole experience and I wasn't working in architecture. Mm-hmm. I was working um, for the college in a marketing role mm-hmm. and then for a nonprofit in a marketing role and they had nothing to do with architecture. Mm-hmm. And so I got a lot of pushback um, for mm-hmm. exploring those avenues. 
Um, I, but I also feel like those were the things that I then brought into my master's level projects that made them better and yeah. that made them more well-rounded. So, you know, I got some other pushback that I was doing too much, mm-hmm. that I was overcommitting myself by doing mm-hmm. two master's programs, which I would say it's definitely not for everyone. Yeah. But I feel like it was two different sides of yeah. my brain that I got to explore at the same time. And it really, um, it really helped me to end up where mm-hmm. I am now. And that might not be where I end up yeah. 40 years in the future. Yeah. But I feel like I'm paving a path that's more central to myself and my yeah. personality. So yeah. whatever pushback I got, I came back at it with, no, this is what I want to do yeah. and you're going to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, either that or trying to explain to mm-hmm. them that not everyone is meant to be a designer Mm -hmm. and not everyone is meant to be a star architect and not everyone is meant to be at a big firm. Not everyone's meant to be at a small firm. So whether you actually divert from architecture Mm -hmm. completely or you just go into a side Mm -hmm. of architecture that people don't know as much about, you're going to get pushback, but it's about knowing yourself Mm -hmm. and figuring out yourself, to be honest, because we don't always have ourselves figured out, (laughs) but giving yourself the grace to Mm -hmm. fail Mm-hmm. And to know or and to not know, yeah, is really what I had to do, yeah, and that takes a lot. And then she helped a lot in that. So <laughs> thanks, I tried. <laughs> I don't know if I did though. I mean, I'm I'm confident I questioned your choice. Of, oh, you did for sure. <laughs> I mean, like not to like not in a way that to make you unsure of your choices, but yes. it definitely was like, are you sure? Yeah, because I am, and like, and maybe less so now than I was three years ago, but I am like an architecture person. Yes. Like that is unfortunately my personality (laughs) trait. I like don't know what to talk to anyone else about and I'm a loser. So no, you're not. (laughs) No, it's just, it's fine. Um, (laughs) one of the things with that, I I kind of have like two things. One, there's like so many weird pressures in architecture of like your expectations, like your I, I like that, like, you said that not everyone wants to work at a big firm or not everyone wants to work at a small firm and mm-hmm. not everyone's a star architect and not everyone's a designer. Um, I, like, always felt insecure about wanting to, like, come back to my hometown and, like, my family being a priority because we had yeah. so many people that we went to school with that, and not that their family wasn't a priority, but they just wanted to jet off and be, like, a big designer in whatever city they felt mm-hmm. fit for them. And I feel like even now still, <laughs> I have a house yes. <laughs> and I'm getting married and I moved back to my hometown, which I was negative about in my own right and sense. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know why everyone feels like they're obligated to insert their opinions about your life choices. That's true. <laughs> and I feel like it happened so much at the school we were at. Like everyone was like, well, you shouldn't do that. You should be doing this. Like you're, yes. you're too this to be doing that. Or you're mm-hmm. too, you're too much of a designer to go back to Cincinnati. Yes. Or you're too much, you're too pragmatic to think that you can go to this school or mm-hmm. do this thing. Well, I think that partly, partially led to us taking a trip, <laughs> going and touring a bunch of we schools um, that neither of us went to for grad school or applied to or applied to. (laughs) Um, but we took, you know, we went and visited some of the Ivies and we visited some of the schools on the East coast and and then South. And that was kind of what was cool. Yeah. That was being encouraged by our professors. It was like, um, if you don't go to one of these schools or even some people, if you stay where you went for undergrad, it's like a negative thing for some reason. Um, whereas, 
in the profession, I haven't felt that quite as much. No, you don't um, feel it as much. Like even even just in internships, like they don't care. No, they don't care where you went. They don't. I mean, care. they might like a little bit, like just from like a dumb, maybe like sports thing. Like, yeah, maybe sh- <laughs> maybe like oh, you, that team sucks. Yeah, but not like. Not like we care about yeah. where you went. It's more like what can you do with the education you yeah. got and what do you have to show from it? And you can make whatever you want about mm-hmm. from any education. And I you feel can. like we made a lot out of our undergrad education. You can. And our our undergrad curriculum, um, like granted it wasn't perfect. I do think that curriculum wise, if it like got to a point where there was like successful faculty in every single teaching role, mm-hmm. which is who knows. Um I think that curriculum-wise, it has one of the stronger curriculums because it did a really good job of preparing you for internships and practicing. Yes. And I felt like my design education was really good mm-hmm. where yeah. we went. Um, and I tell people, because I'm in Southwest Ohio now, and um, the firm, I told them this, the firm I'm working for kind of like stood up Bowling Green mm. for years for the career fair. Our AIS chapter hosted a career fair. That is true. They didn't respond. <laughs> Oops. Uh, well, they would respond, and they didn't show up. And I, I talked to them about it actually the other day. I told them I was like, I actually didn't like you guys for a long time, <laughs> um, but I applied it anyways. And you know, go in. With, of course, you like them now. With um, like, like first impressions aren't everything, but um, they were like, oh, well, we had like a different HR person at that time, and you know, there's so many reasons, and it's fine. It's really not that big of a deal, but. Uh, the school that we went to in Ohio is often frowned upon mm-hmm. because there's four other architecture schools in the state. Yes. We're like way oversaturated of architecture academia and granted it makes it accessible and affordable for people in Northern Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I really love that because um, it's an affordable school and this sounds like a promo to go there. It's it not, does. we just really enjoyed our time there. We just really like PG. Um, <laughs> did I work at admissions there? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think like now the other day I had, I got, had a conversation with one of my team members who's older and he taught for a while at a school here. And he was like, I don't understand why they don't teach Revit. Mm. And I said, yeah. well, if you want someone that's a co-op that knows Revit, Bowling Green teaches Revit in their curriculum, which everyone has their own opinions on if you should teach software in schools or not. And some, I think you yeah. should, and some, I think you shouldn't. Um, should you teach AutoCAD? I don't know. Or Revit? I don't know. Did I teach AutoCAD? Just, I mean, just for two years. So, um, but just in general, like, is it the school's role to teach that stuff? I don't know. But point being, like, if if you like think that there's like a perception towards the university, like, why? Yeah. Why is that perception there? Um, I think part of that is on it. I tell people all the time. I think that the school is toxic and competitive because we did go to a school that had to prove itself a lot yes yeah for no reason I mean we had people applying to the same graduate schools for years and getting on the three-year track when they would like get accepted to another university and out of state for two year and mm-hmm. get assistantships and stuff and it was because there was a dumb perception and there is there's perceptions about any university in that regard yeah, there um, is some positive some mm-hmm. negative, some positive, and it's not warranted, but you know, <laughs> true. <laughs> it, just, um, it just is kind of like I said, it, everything is what you make of it. So yeah. I feel like we had a great opportunity to make a lot of our yeah. education and 
I made a lot of my education, yeah, even did. though I am not in architecture anymore. So mm-hmm. it's. Do you think if um, our faculty was more accepting of the practical side of architecture, you would have maybe stayed? Um, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what my answer to that question would be like three years ago. Yeah. Like if that change had been made while I was in school, it might have, I might have been less, mm-hmm. um, less likely to mm-hmm. leave, but I didn't really, I, I still don't feel like I have truly yeah. left, you know, yeah. I've left architecture, but I haven't left the built environment and yeah, I don't no, regret yeah. my master's degree at all. Yeah. Um, I feel like what I experienced was definitely burnout mm-hmm. and it might've been passion burnout. Because mm-hmm. when you want to do something ever since you're five years old and you get to like 21, 22, mm-hmm. there's, there's bound to be some like <laughs> uncertainty about maybe I did mm-hmm. I like, why did I choose my whole life path at age five? You know, like that's not necessarily something that you should do in life. Because America tells you that's what you're supposed to do. I know. So that's uh, so sorry I think for the my, slight. That's a, no, it's fine. <laughs> Um, I do feel like that was, that was more, like I said, more burnout than, than mm-hmm. anything. So like, I still love architecture mm-hmm. and I still love buildings and I still nerd out over mm-hmm. visiting new places and mm-hmm. looking at their architecture in ways that other people don't mm-hmm. do. Um, and I'm never gonna, never going to leave that. Mm-hmm. And I could see myself staying with mm-hmm. construction for my whole life. I could also see myself going back to an architecture firm in like 15 years when I've had a little bit of time out of it. Yeah. And maybe it would be like in historical preservation or maybe mm-hmm. I would be in marketing for that mm-hmm. firm. Like it wouldn't be as in a traditional mm-hmm. design role. I still believe that yeah. 100%. So yeah. I, I think that I think that maybe if we would have been slightly more practical, mm-hmm. it could have changed my mind slightly, mm-hmm. but I don't think it would have changed my overall path. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I, um, I think it's weird that academia is so not practical there are schools that are very practical there are more that are yeah practical um, than others, I think the standard is that architecture is design school mm-hmm. and then like you learn some practical things and in graduate school I went to graduate school with a lot of people that took gap years mm. like several gap years like okay. five six seven years and then decided to go back and get their master's yeah and a lot of times they felt that they were not succeeding because they were almost too practical mm. in quotations too practical and they couldn't get like the design mind because there was this expectation to be super design oriented which not a knock to design I love it <laughs> I'm like a theory design person that is totally yes it's, like my niche if that's what I could do the rest of my life I would but it's not what the profession is it's not all. it's not practical to think that everyone's gonna be doing that in order for the whole profession yeah. to succeed because you yeah. can't, you can't have all of one type of person no, that for, you, that, <laughs> for architecture no, to live. We barely make money as it is. That's true. We would make no money if every person <laughs> had like the designer no. mindset. We need, and we'd never get a project I done know. either. <laughs> oh, never, never. And projects are never finished anyways. They're just true. finished because you have to turn it in. True. <laughs> but You're not wrong. Um, have I changed my projects for my portfolio? Yes. <laughs> That's good. Um, That's good. Because they never are over. Yes. But you're absolutely right. I don't, there shouldn't be as much of a discouragement to the practicality. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I was super practical going into architecture school and I lost a lot of my practicality in undergrad and I gained some of it back in grad school. I can, I think that that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, I gained some of it back in in grad school just by pushing back at what professors wanted maybe and doing my, what I believed was logical and practical. <laughs> mm. <Nope. laughs> um, yeah. 
but they just don't like it. And it's no, fine. but that's okay. Yeah. You gotta stand your ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't be afraid to tell the professors you're not gonna do something. Because as long as you're, you know, confident about it, they'll just say okay. And you could not see my facial expressions with that, but I was making a face. So <laughs> it was sarcastic. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um do you think you're gonna get licensed still? I highly doubt. Like mm-hmm. 95% of me says no. That's a lot of work. And um, not getting licensed would not propel me any further in the current career path yeah. I'm on. So I, unless I make a huge career change, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily worth it for me to have mm-hmm. a license. Yeah. Um, I could see that's why I got the master's. It's one of the reasons I got the master's because I didn't want to have to go back to school yeah. in 15 years. Yeah. If I do return yeah. to that love of architecture and I want to be able to stamp drawings mm-hmm. like yeah. that. so that was one of the benefits of getting the master's is mm-hmm. that I've you know acquired some hours I am keeping up my mm-hmm. NCARB record I'm not gonna let that die you know you're, you're paying for that yeah I'm gonna pay for it <laughs> my company may Kill pay it. for it no, so kidding. you know Danis is very um encouraging of professional licenses Licensure. and stuff so they, they they might they might keep that up for me yeah a lot of firms not a lot of firms. A lot of professional-based firms are yes. encouraging of that. Um, it looks good for marketing. Well, and they want cross-collaboration <laughs> yeah. in the built environment, yeah. too. So that, Which is super good. That is helpful. Um, okay, so Gabby and I have talked about her career change, which I think is important because I think a lot of people, even not in architecture, get to a certain point and are like, you know what? This is not what I want to do. <laughs> so and that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. So we talked about that, mm-hmm. and she also helped me talk about our weird friendship. That's amazing, and one of my favorite things ever. I also really wanted to bring her on today to help me share what nearly one fourth is a little bit with you guys. So I'm gonna pass, pass. I'm gonna pass the hosting duties off to Gabby, and she's gonna ask me questions instead. Weird. Right. Now I'm gonna put you in the hot seat. So <laughs> I don't like the hot seat. Well, that's okay. You're gonna have it for a little bit. So thanks. <laughs> So I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about the podcast itself. So first thing I think that I want to talk about is just what inspired you to make this podcast? Why why nearly one fourth? And yeah, so there's a lot. So it's going to be a lot of That's a okay. lot of words. And in previous episodes, I've made like really minor remarks towards it. So there is quite a few things <laughs> that inspired the podcast in general. I think. Honestly, my whole life I've wanted to do something like podcasting, Mm -hmm. and until recently I didn't feel brave enough to do it. Well, we're all glad you're brave enough now. Thanks. (laughs) I try. Um, Part of it was during my undergrad with Gabby. We did a ton, like literally so much for AIS Mm -hmm. and school, and probably put in like 13 hours days to make sure academia if not more and our AIS chapter was succeeding which I'm glad we did because it was our baby and I wouldn't have changed that for the world and it made me a better leader and yada yada all sorts (laughs) of stuff when I got my master's I had almost no time I also my the energy like in my body just felt (laughs) less I like physically couldn't put in the unhealthy lifestyle that I did at Bowling Green yeah um, which is for the better it was I mean it was a good thing to set boundaries and get sleep and eat I mean like the good human things you're supposed to do um but regardless of if I wanted to stay up later and do those things like my body was just tapped out I quite literally couldn't do it anymore yeah (laughs) um 
And then I was at a school that challenged me so much that my academia took way more time than my undergraduate academia did. And then I was a research assistant for the director there. And that took also a lot of my time. (laughs) And so while I did a lot of things, I felt that I didn't do a lot of things at Mm. the same time. Um, I actually, I actually like the whole time I was there felt insecure about not doing enough. (laughs) Just like in the community or just in general. Okay. In general, because an undergrad, like my expectation for myself was AIS chapter president, AIS national committees, because I did all that stuff. Um, I worked for the university in like two ish jobs and architecture school. Yes. And then like applying to grad school and then like portfolio, all of it together, all of it. All of it at one time without skipping a beat. Mm -hmm. I mean, easy peasy. In grad school, my brain just couldn't. It was so filled with school and everything else. I was like, I feel like I'm not accomplishing anything, even though I was getting my master's at a really good school. (laughs) And I was doing really good research work and like really important stuff. Like, it was just absurd that I felt that way. And then... AIS and undergraduate school gave and and my master's a little bit but it gave me a different type of learning community um my master's was really good at us being like all in this together no one fails alone Mm -hmm. share work you know like we help ourselves through but AIS helped me learn to be a leader in a different way that school couldn't have done and when I didn't get to do those things for two years or I didn't have the energy or capacity to fill my time with those things. I felt that that was something I missed during my graduate school. And there was a organization there for graduate architecture that's internal there. And like they would invite everyone to go do stuff. I literally didn't even have the energy to just like go to an event, not even plan an event, go to an event and like socialize. I mean, this different. The social battery was just gone. Um, I'm generally extroverted but I have my introvert social battery. Mm -hmm. I can only go so far. (laughs) Um, So that was part of it. Part of it was I missed the community of learning beyond education. Mm -hmm. And I missed the acceptance that we don't all know what we're doing. And with AIS, we were all a bunch of kids running a chapter or a committee with a bunch of other kids Um, And sometimes kids that were older than us, you know, (laughs) grown up kids, (laughs) but we were all in an environment where we were figuring it out together and failure was acceptable. Yes. Um, And then I feel like now I haven't participated a lot in the professional community yet, but I don't feel like I can. Mm -hmm. It feels very established. And I feel like when I start to show up at certain events, I'm not going to feel like I can be anything better than the expectation of being done and developed in an architect. You're not going to be able to fully be yourself because you're going to be trying yeah. to fit into what there is already there. You have to be the professional that yes. is the standard, which mm-hmm. is fine. I mean, I thrive in ac- professional environments and love networking and yes. I can yeah. put on a face, but at the end of the day, I co-opt a ton, but I'm new to the profession, mm-hmm. quite literally a novice. And you want to learn. Still. And I want to learn. And, and you want to learn freely. Freely, and I just want to be able to, like, ask questions comfortably and about anything that I want. (laughs) So that is part of it. Um, My, like, master's, like, how I felt at the end of it. A lack of succeeding, which is dumb, but still feel (laughs) that way. 
still imposter syndrome is real yeah, it is it is um they say it is attached to like creative communities and we're more than a creative community we're a professional community yes and even like 45 year old architects don't feel like they're qualified to be architects nope. so there's never there's not like a line where you just know that you know enough where you to like do i've made doing. it so i i really just want to keep learning and develop a community to do that the other part of it um, which kind of like will stem to another conversation <laughs> is um, there is a ton of pressures attached to everyone in architecture. Yes. Yeah. Women as well, but everyone in architecture. I mean, we talked about it earlier. If you're not a thousand percent into architecture, then are you really even into it? Mm-hmm. And I felt judged for making a lot of decisions. Um, I'm getting married and like literally three weeks after this episode launches, this, I'm getting married. Um, I'm changing my name, which isn't a big deal, but is a big deal in a professional community. And I like the only reason I've ever second guessed changing my name is because I've been told you should not change your name. You're a professional in the profession. You're a pro- you're that was a bunch of word salad. You're a professional getting licensed professional women should not change their name and then even in academia there was pressures of like if you're a woman in architecture maybe you should consider not having a family or maybe you should understand your work-life expectations and I have no problem working a ton Mm -hmm. but I also know that I should be able to make family decisions for myself and I am curious why other women have made certain decisions um, and I just feel that it helps open conversations about the profession pressures and the expectations of women in architecture and yeah. everyone in architecture, but the additional societal women's standards on top of the traditional architecture pressures. And did you kind of start this? Cause you feel like those are not things that are being talked about a lot. Yeah. I openly. feel like, I feel like they're not, maybe they are talked about a lot. Um, I feel like I've talked about it a lot mm-hmm. in the past year. Um, Maybe because, like, I am getting married, and I did move back to my hometown, which was discouraged by a lot of peers of ours that, um, like, look down on Southwest Ohio for whatever reason. I, I don't know, and I, I guess I don't really care. Um, well, maybe I do care, because I'm talking <laughs> about talking it. talking about <laughs> it. I'm talking about it. Um, but I just never understood why what I'm doing with my life mattered so much and why it was a negative thing for me to want to change my name, mm-hmm. to want to move back to my hometown, to be with the person I've been with for eight years and, you know, like do those things and separate myself from the standard of like, like not to like sound conceited, like I'm a decently good designer. I went to a really good grad school. Like, yes, I probably could have worked wherever I wanted. Yes. <laughs> like beyond just here. And I would, I would confirm that. Like that's not just her <laughs> saying that. And that's really uncomfortable for me to say. She so. doesn't talk about herself like this often. <laughs> this is so. really hard. I'm very proud. Um, so yeah, like I, I just felt like every decision I was making, there was like a negative response. Yes. From peers. Yeah. And I would agree with that. I would second that. So. And I just for didn't myself, understand. Not necessarily yeah. just for you, but. And like, it's really like the issues that I'm having aren't really, really shouldn't even be issues. They're just normal life things. Sorry, a car just drove past and it was really loud. Um, and yeah, 
I think I think just to like open the can of worms of societal expectations of architecture people in general and then the add-on of being a woman in architecture as well yeah so talking about you've already talked a little bit about what it's going to be about um so what do listeners have to look forward to in some of the episodes that are coming up now literally so much (laughs) (laughs) I mean I'm excited to listen because I haven't gotten to listen to the other episodes um this is yeah we're recording this the day before we launch so gabby hasn't heard anything no one's heard anything yet um this has turned out way better than i was anticipating i was anticipating it being cool and fun and learning a lot but the guests that i've talked to and have had on quite literally some of the most amazing people i've ever talked to in my life that's awesome um they've all been very vulnerable we go from topics to starting an academia like if you're in the profession and you want to teach which is something i want to do and is a passion and interest of mine Mm -hmm. like where do you start how are you qualified to start teaching in architecture (laughs) like what is that level um like today we talked with job changes and you talked about that and there was another guest um that talked about like just a natural we hit a recession. I changed my job and Mm -hmm. that was it. And that's why, and just those expectations, um, different pressures, which I talked about today and we talked about today, like what are the expectations of men and women and the mold of architecture and then the business side of licensure Mm -hmm. and firm starting and quite literally anything you can think of will be on this season. Um, season one is running through December right now at the moment. So I'm super excited. (laughs) So much coming up. Um, and season two has been thought about and planned. So, oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. So a lot. All right. Well, that's great to hear. And I'm glad that I got to come on today and talk to you about what all is coming up and talk a little bit about our friendship and our journey. But, um, is there anything else you wanted to share about the podcast? Mm, not particularly. Okay. Um, thank you so thank much. Thank you. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> Gabby has always been, um, one of my like number one supporters. And I've and always been one of her number one supporter. <laughs> so it's super fun to share this with her and this experience with her. And hopefully I can rub her back onto the show later as I'd long as I didn't back. traumatize her today. No, definitely the not. Experience. This has been great. And I've loved being here. And I love talking about you always. And, oh, so um, and I'm really excited to hear the episodes coming up. And I'll be a loyal listener for sure. So <laughs> I, thank you for letting me be on. And thanks for putting this out there for the women in the profession and outside the profession to enjoy because no and the problem. men the men can enjoy it too but I, the, you know the previous statistics have some men on there so, so there you go I think so, it applies to everyone so it applies to everyone but but specifically just talking about things mm-hmm. that don't get talked about mm-hmm. so I just want to thank you for doing that but glad, glad I can <laughs> glad I can provide um so that is gonna end the show today awesome. really yeah. really hard ending sorry for my lack of transitioning um If you would like to be a loyal listener, like my dear friend Gabby, the easiest way to do that is to follow, like, or subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Um, We also have a website, www.nearlyonefourth.com, where you can listen to it on there if that's a little bit easier for you. Um, A few things about nearlyfourth.com. There's a tab on there called One Fourth Plus, and what that is is a space for women to share things that they have going on beyond the blueprint. Shout out to Gabby for helping me come up with that tagline um was not my creative brain oh stop um so if you're interested in sharing any art writing anything creative music really. anything like quite literally anything we want to see it beyond. all um 
I would love to share it with everyone. So feel free to send a message in with your content and we'll make sure to publish it. Um, but other than that, that's it. And I will see you next week on Nearly One Fourth. Thanks.